Welcome, you're listening to A Certain Degree. My name is Nick and I'm your host. This is a live weekly radio show on WPRK featuring makers, artists, and professionals who are doing something neat. The show is then converted via magic to a podcast. You know that because you're listening to it right now. Real talk for a second, this is the 102nd episode of To A Certain Degree. I couldn't do it without the ongoing support of our great guests, the peeps at WPRK, copious amounts of insomnia, and best of all, your ears. Thank you so much for listening. And now, on with the show. David Byrne on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to Certain Degree. Good morning. My name is Nick. I've got the squeakiest chair in existence, so you're welcome for that, Central Florida. Uh, I do this every week, and every week I have a very special guest. This week is no exception. Will Burley is here. Burley or Burley? It is Burley. Burley. Say it right the first time. Burley. Yeah, and then I had to mess it up by saying it wrong the second time. Will, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's very nice to have you this rainy, rainy day. You rid your motorcycle down in the rain just to be here. Exactly. It's kind of a common thing I'm used to having. So I'm like, eh, why not? You're in Florida. Is your main mode of transportation a motorcycle? Only mode of transportation. Only mode of transportation is a motorcycle. Plus your your legs. Yeah. You're you're people powered. People powered, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, Will, I don't know you all that well. I did a show at your gallery, mm-hmm. the shower gallery. Is and there? we'll talk about that in a little bit. But first, let's get to know you a little bit better. So we'll play a game. Okay. This is 20 questions. I'm going to ask you. You're going to respond. We might dig into it if you have a very, like, visceral response to something. Okay. uh, I want to know why Uh, because that's the kind of guy I am, I guess, is the way that I'm thinking about it right now. Uh, But instead of saying yes or no, up or down, we're going to do it a little bit differently just to make it more confusing and to, to make you think even more early in the morning. Even better. Armed or dangerous? So that's what you're going to say. Armed if you're for something, mm-hmm. dangerous if you're against it. Okay. Arms are the windows to the soul, as we all know. Mm-hmm. So that's why I thought that would be a really positive one. Mm-hmm. And then things that are dangerous, while we might be scared of them and they might push us to do new things and things of that nature, uh, let's let's pretend that we don't like dangerous things. Just okay. for a second. Just for a second. Okay, cool. Just for a minute. So let's start out with summer camp, armed or dangerous? Because we're still in summer, obviously, because it's raining outside. Armed. Yeah? Did yeah. you do summer camp as I a kid? Did, yeah, I did. I um, did a couple where I actually went off my own. I went to a completely different state in some of them and had actually a really good time. I was terrified the first couple of days because obviously it's my first camp away by myself with other kids. But I actually ended up having a really good fun time. So I'm all for them. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. And did you, this was a sleepaway camp, I take it? Oh, yeah, for a week. And so was that the only kind that you ever did or was that just the the one that left the biggest impression on you? Um, that was the biggest one I did. I only did three, but that was the biggest one because it was a completely different state and I had completely travel. And um, it was the first time I actually had to be in a small cabin. At one point in time, I was with 12 other people. In that cabin? In the cabin. Ooh. It was a blast. Yeah, I bet it was. How old were you? I was 12 or 13. <laughs> nice. Yeah. All right, this has come up in California quite a bit, especially the San Francisco area. So what they're doing now, instead of, you know, you had the bike share, you have the car share, you have all of those things. Now they're doing scooter sharing. 
electric scooters. Mm-hmm. So what they're finding is you get a lot of people riding these rentable sharing electric scooters on the sidewalks. So riding scooters on the sidewalks, armed or dangerous? Dangerous. Is that not something you would try? Oh, no. I've only ever had to do it fairly recently, and strictly for the fact because I blew my tire on my motorcycle, that I had no way to ride it on the street because it was flat. So I had to ride the sidewalk the entire way to the shop. You were riding your motorcycle on the sidewalk. That was... I I feel like that's okay. I feel like everybody's going to get out of your way for that. Yeah, but I wouldn't... No, I would totally say it's dangerous to do that on the scooter. I would never... Oh, you God. wouldn't do that. No. Electric scooter just cruising down the like sidewalk. Like you stand on or like the ones like you sit? It, no, it's like a razor. Okay. Oh, okay. Because um, I've had a scooter. I was thinking like the ride ones. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, like a, <laughs> not like a Vespa. Okay. Um, I'd still say dangerous on that because I walked on campus <laughs> and most people were like, these book it past you. And if you don't hear them fast enough, you're going to run over. So I would still say dangerous on that one. Okay. All right. I like the idea of, you know, that we're sharing so many different things. Mm-hmm. Like I think there should be a uh, roller skate or rollerblade sharing. Yeah. I think we could have, uh, let's see, hoverboards. That's a thing now, right? Right. We're in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of future, zombies, armed or dangerous? <laughs> Depending what classification, I would say armed. Armed, you're for them. It'd be fine. Or do you really do you feel like zombies have arms? I mean, I'm not sure how you're answering. <laughs> um, I mean, I have thought of multiple scenarios how to handle zombies. So armed, let's bring it on. Okay. So you mentioned the different classifications. What are some of the classifications that you have? Uh, in your mind for zombies? I mean, I have the ones that obviously that are so decrepit to the point where they're either crawling or slow enough to kind of get away from. The only ones that would ever concern me are the ones that have completely turned to where there's like no humanistic trait to whatsoever mm-hmm. and they just book it at you and they start running. I'm like, uh-huh, that's why I start to get a little bit nervous. A little bit? <laughs> just a little bit. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. That's good to know. Okay, armed or dangerous jerky? Just Jerky in general. Any kind of jerky. Beef jerky, turkey jerky. Armed. Armed? You're yeah. for it? Oh, I love it. Yeah. I grew up on some of it, and then I purposely found more, and I actually like it. Is, do you have a favorite flavor or style or animal from which it may uh, appear from? My favorite, which I have yet to find ever since I was a kid, it was one. It was like the normal beef jerky that everybody had. It was um, the teriyaki style. It was a flat strip instead of the round ones. I have yet to find the flat ones ever again in the stores. Oh, okay. And I don't know why. I had it one time. It was good. It's like, this is awesome. And then nobody's ever made a flat strip of it. Now it's on like the chunky style or the round. So maybe there's some other people out there. I know big jerky demographic in our audience, our listeners here. So if that's something you're looking for, I know Will is always looking for new things to do. Always. So you could start producing jerky. (laughs) Sounds good. Jerky production and art studio. Oh, yeah. Okay. I like it. I like it. Oh, no, no. Gallery. Sorry. Not a studio. Studio implies different things. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's go back to technology for a second. How do you feel about smart homes? Dangerous. Dangerous? How come? Uh, I don't know. It's the whole concept of having something around me that can mm-hmm. possibly like form a thought or just something can always go wrong because technology is made by humans and we aren't perfect. So this Wait, be- what? We're not perfect? <laughs> I mean, I've seen myself <laughs> walking around. <laughs> All right. So, well, let's take it back a step. So without the AI component, mm-hmm. the idea that you could control everything in your house through your phone, let's say, 
How do you feel about that one? Still dangerous. Still dangerous. Yeah. You want to be able to get up and turn the lights on and off and adjust the air conditioning. Yes. Because otherwise you're just going to sit in bed all day <laughs> and play with it. Yeah, I, I like that. To me, it, it makes me for, feel more human. Kind of like I have the ability to control what I'm doing and control my fate in a really weird way. Yeah. But I still like to have that human take, like freedom to do what I want to do instead of like, yeah, I just do this myself. Instead of sitting, I, I like to be able to move. And still okay. Feel like worth you something. need an excuse to move. Yeah. Is what I'm hearing. Maybe. And sometimes turning on the lights is that. Right. Okay. Fair enough. How do you feel about the beach? Armed or dangerous? Armed. Armed? Yes. Yeah. yeah. You like going? I love going to the beach. Yeah. Okay. What do you do there typically? What's a beach day? Um, a beach day. So let's start. You wake up. Mm-hmm. You turn on the lights yourself. <laughs> right. That's what I'm getting. Right. Uh, you maybe. Uh, okay. So let me ask you this. Do you take a shower before you go to the beach? Yes. Really? I, I'm one of those weird people. For me, sleeping puts like this weird film on my body. Yeah, no. Between the bed bugs and the night terrors. I mean, I don't know if you have the night terrors. I have the night terrors, obviously. Right. And uh, just in general, the food, like I sleep eat. Yeah. And so you've got all that, all the crumbs and stuff. Oh, yeah. So, but yeah, so you would take a shower first. I would, yeah, I'm that weird guy. People look at me funny. I'm like, why are you showering? It, I don't know. It just makes me feel more. Are a lot of people asking you if you sh- why you're showering? I've gone to the beach with people before. We've stayed and we've gone to the beach, and they're like, why are you showering before you go? I'm like, I just need to feel good for the day. Even though I'm about to put sunscreen on, I'm about to get salt and everything, all the sand. I'm like, I don't know. I just feel more ready to go and more willing to accept what's about to happen. I think it also just makes me question what happens to you at night. <laughs> Nothing. Nah, the night terrors are fine. Mm-hmm. All right. So you go to the beach, take a shower, mm-hmm. go to the beach. And do you do you go directly in the water? Do you sunbathe for a while, wait till you get hot? Um, what I do is when I get there, I usually put my sunscreen on immediately when I get there because I hate the smell of it. So the less time I have to wear it, the better. Yeah, so smart. I put it on there. Other than it takes half hour to kick in, so yeah. you're probably getting burnt really well. Yeah, that's great. Nice. Good mm-hmm. job. Yeah, so while I'm waiting, I typically always bring my camera with me too. So I always take pictures of like the beach, any like animals or things going around because I always think it's really fun. And then after that, I typically either have my uh, boogie board or my skim board. Mm-hmm. And then I will progressively walk in to the water and try to not get bitten by any fish or anything that's on the bottom. What is your uh, style or what's your way of doing that, of making sure that fish don't bite you? I'm very slow. Like... <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I will progressively like monitor the ground and I will do the whole like, let me inch forward and feel with my feet where I'm walking to feel it, make sure I feel everything that's in front of me. Huh. And that has worked for you. It has worked for me. Never gotten bit by anything. I have not. I have felt something grab onto my feet a couple of times and then I progressively move the opposite direction as fast as possible. Okay. And then I just kind of eat. But that was the only time you were going fast in the water at the beach. Yeah. Okay. When you're trying to get away from something. So. Uh, this is all really good advice. Thank you so much <laughs> I try. for that. Cursive. So you're a bit of an artist. You're a writer. Mm-hmm. And so I was wondering, they're starting to teach cursive again in schools. Oh. How do you feel about it? Uh, did you learn cursive, first of all? Yes, I did. Okay, so armed or dangerous? Armed. To me, I think it's a lost art in a way. I mean, I think calligraphy is really pretty, mm-hmm. especially if you do it right. So I think it's something, it also is very expressive because even though it's just written word, yeah. there's still ways to go from that. Like even my doodles, I've started writing words and I went off and just started doodling off of that. And cursive is sort of the gateway drug for that. Right. Because it's, to me, it's not as rigid as like picking it up and starting each new letters. It's just fluid motion. Yeah. 
So it's easy to go from one fluid motion to the next and possibly go into like some big piece of a doodle. And so I like that idea. When you're writing, we'll get into this a little bit more. Are you typically typing? Are you typically long handing it? How do you usually write? Or is it a combination? I have done both. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wrote a play way back when that started, it took me three years to write it. I actually started writing it longhand and then progressively as I actually submitted it for some kind of competition, I ended up typing the rest of it out. Yeah, because otherwise they probably wouldn't take yeah, it. Yeah, no. Did that make you think of it differently? Do you do you feel like you write or use different parts of your brain when you're typing versus when you're writing out longhand? Yes, I, I do. I think you it's more muscle because I'm a kinesthetic learner, so I think it's more energy put into writing. So you kind of have to think methodically what you're writing out, and each so you can actually read it later. Unlike when you're typing, it's just letters, and you can go back and fix it real quickly. So mm -hmm. it's more or it legible. fixes it for you, or it fixes it for you. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's kind of cool to have the writing aspect too because it actually forces you to think about what you're writing and make sure it's actually done methodically instead of just hmm. making some random nonsense. I like it. How do you feel about tiny houses? Armed. Uh, yeah, armed, yeah. Armed? Yeah. Uh, so what about it is appealing to you? Is it the sort of simplification of your life and you have to go down and only have the stuff that you really need or brings you joy? Is it the idea that you know, you're, you're taking up less space and things of that nature. What is it about it that really appeals to you? I think the simplistic nature of it, I really enjoy because I think sometimes we have too much and we kind of lose ourselves in what we've got or what we can achieve. So it kind of brings it back to reality of where we started, what you need to have and just the basics. I like that. I also like the fact it takes up less space too, because there's so much that we're expanding on and to have your own personal space kind of is really cool to have that like individualistic, your own. I also like the fact too, it's kind of more affordable Right, yeah. In theory, it's a lot smaller, oh, yeah. so it shouldn't be, uh, score footage-wise, it should not cost right. as much. And there's also, like, we're talking about, like, mobile tiny homes, too? I Yeah, sure. I like that, too, because you can always have your house, which is always going to be the same, no matter where you go, you take it with you, so your venue can always change, and your outlook and your windows can always change, too. So I think it's a really awesome option. Do you feel like, uh, to me, one of the advantages is, because it's so tiny, you might want to spend less time there. Sure, it's cozy and you can read a book or you could watch TV or you could prepare like a very small meal, Right. Um, ironically. Uh, but the idea is that it kind of pushes you outside a little bit more. Is that something that you see in the tiny house sort of movement? And do you feel like that's part of the appeal of it? I mean, I haven't thought much about that, but that's actually a really cool point too because um, most people kind of want to get stuck, but I like the idea of going out and exploring what it has to offer because there's so much that we have yet to see. And I yeah. like going out. I've gone out and just for the heck of it and walked around to see what I haven't seen. I go into places that I haven't normally wouldn't go into. So I think it's cool that it forces you outside. So that's a really cool aspect too. Very nice. All right, let's get back to uh, technology because obviously it rules our life and everything that we do every day on every level. Uh, Amazon Go. Have you heard about this? I have not. It's a store. It's a concept store that Amazon uh, just opened up a couple of months ago out in Seattle. Mm -hmm. The idea is that they know exactly everything that's in there. You walk in. You have to have the Amazon app open. You put stuff in your bag and you walk out. You, there's no cashier. They've got everything cameraed and scannered up so they know exactly what you put in your bag and they charge it to your account. So there are people who mm -hmm. work there. Yeah. But for the most part, you don't have to interact with anyone. You just walk in, get your stuff, walk out. How do you feel about that, armed or dangerous? Dangerous. How come? I don't know. To me, I like social interactions because mm -hmm. it keeps it fresh and it keeps it definitely the humanistic thing because you feel like losing that. I'm very big on humanistic interactions. Sure, that's tell. what I'm getting. Because I, I don't know. I just, 
I don't know, like the show Black Mirror is really good because they talk about that stuff a lot. So I referenced that. Um, I don't know. I just like interacting with people, even if it's a short time, it's still, it's a face. It's an emotion. You have to mm-hmm. interact. You have to like feel good hormones and vibes stuff like that to live. And it kind of makes you feel better. If you cut that out, you're going to start becoming really drained and like really kind of stoic. Interesting, because a lot of people would say that they become more drained having to interact with people, so right. introverts and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So, but you feed off of that energy. So yeah, it depends. But I just I don't know. I like seeing new faces and saying hi to people. It's like little joys throughout the day. Okay. See, what I would like to do is uh, you kind of did this maybe as a prank when you were younger in the grocery store. You would put uh, stuff in other people's carts. And now you could do that, but they would actually pay for it. Oh, no. That would be (laughs) kind of funny. (laughs) Yeah, that's probably bad. Armed or dangerous? Sleep. Armed? Armed? So you're for it. I am totally for it. Do you get any? (laughs) No. (laughs) I do not. That's what I love about that question because it's, you know, you have an appreciation for it. See, I hate sleep. Mm. To me, sleep is, uh, I get it. I know, I understand why my body needs it, but I fight it tooth and nail. Even when I'm in bed, I'll toss and turn. I'll think about the day. I'll think about the things that I should be doing. Right. And so I, I just have come to the conclusion that it's not like a lack of concentration or something like that. I just hate sleep. Mm. So, I, but you enjoy it. Mm. You just don't get enough. Right. I mean, I see the concept of it too. I'm the same way. I will fight sleep tooth and nail because I have so much stuff I have to do and want to do and don't want to go to sleep. But then at a point in time, my body's like, you need to sleep or I will crash. So like, I appreciate it for the rejuvenation. But besides that, so I guess if we're looking at the rejuvenation aspect, I'm for it, but it isn't a mild inconvenience because it stops my progress for the day. So let me ask you this. Uh, just hypothetically, I definitely don't have uh, any kind of drug that will allow you to do this. Let's talk offline. Uh, but the idea that you could live your life without sleep, but you would live a third less, right? Because all the sleep time is now out of your system. So right. if you were going to live 90 years, you would now live 60 years. But you would never have to sleep. No. No? No. Really? Really. I would, yeah, I would sacrifice that because there's still a lot that can happen. Because even though sleep happens, I have adventures can happen in sleep. You can be woken up from sleep to have adventures. So to me, <laughs> to me, sleep is like the catalyst for that. Just in case there is an adventure to be had, I want to be ready to go. So, okay. And you're probably more likely to go on an adventure if you just woke up because you're not really thinking about mm-hmm. it. Somebody just wakes you up and we have to go fight the pirates. Okay, yeah, no, that's fine. Let's go. You're right. As opposed to... No, you're making no sense. I've been awake for the last 27 years. I'm not fighting pirates. I see. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it gives you a certain amount of bravery. I like it. How do you feel about, let's see here, what do we have left? Cobbler. This is the last question for now. Cobbler, the dessert, not the person who fixes uh, shoes. Um, ironically, from where I'm from, I don't really have a clear stance on it. Where are you from? I'm from Mississippi. So, okay, so you so, should probably, probably should be an armed, armed or dangerous. Yeah, yeah. Like you should feel one way or the other. I mean, I enjoy some, so I guess armed to an extent. What is your favorite type? I uh, peach, probably. If anything, okay. Yeah, like I don't eat it much. I, when people serve, I'm like, sure, I'll eat it. But it's not like something I go actively seeking. 
What is your favorite dessert? What is the dessert that you actively seek? That is a variant of what mood I am in. It is either brownies or some kind of ice cream. Did you know you could put them together? I do. Okay, I'm just checking. <laughs> I do. But just, I, but just I just wanted have, to throw that out there. But I never have both at the same time. Is that, are you a purist when it comes to your desserts? No. Or is it just timing is always it's off? It's just timing is always off. Huh. Yeah. You, okay. <laughs> uh, so we're going to leave it at that for now. Will Burley, thank you so much. I feel like I've learned so much about you, and yet I have so many more questions. Uh, but we're going to come back. We're going to talk about uh, the shower gallery. We're going to talk about photography. We're going to talk about being creative uh, and balancing that out with what you need to just generally do for life. And, uh, yes, we'll be back in a second. Why don't we listen to some music? We've got some Lyle Lovett and some Tune Yards coming up on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to a certain degree. This episode is brought to you by Fill in the Gaps, actors and other performance artists, the backbone of the economy, the best people among us. As good-looking and talented as they are, sometimes they need a day job to make ends meet. And to get that day job, their resumes could use a little zhushing, a little something extra, something to connect those dots between day jobs. Well, that's where we come in. Fill in the Gaps has set up a number of shell corporations that help performers with their career crevasses. Is this legal? Maybe. Ethically, it's a gray area. How do we make it a little more ethical? By doubling down on the fraud. Along with lying about the companies you've worked for, we'll also provide job titles and responsibilities that make your resume more interesting. Here are some examples of jobs that you can say you held. Retail Harbinger. Flavor Curator. In-house Color Technician Enthusiast. Digital Haberdasher. Sound Design Ambassador. And Beard Sommelier. In some cases, the prospective employer will be too embarrassed to ask about the job, since they'll want to look like they understand it. Fill in the gaps. Make your life appear complete on your resume. You won't actually be complete or feel complete. You're going to be fine. We're all going to be fine. The Tune Yards on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. That was the song named Business. And because I like alliteration, we heard the song Bears before that by Lyle Lovett. That is a 20 years old song now. Uh, I'm so old. Good morning. My name is Nick. You're listening to A Certain Degree on WPRK Winter Park, Florida. Every week, very special guest. This week's very special guest, Will Burley, is here. Good morning, Will. Good morning, Nick. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Waking up early, driving a motorcycle. Sorry, riding or driving? Riding? Riding Driving. a motorcycle? I've, I've heard both. See, riding sounds very passive. Right. So driving a motorcycle, powering a motorcycle. Right. Uh, steering. What do you call it when you're uh, breaking in a horse or you, know, you ride a horse? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I guess that is passive because the horse is doing most of the work. Right. Okay. Let's not get into <laughs> verbs right now and semantics. Will Burley is here. We will talk about verbs and semantics later on because we'll talk about your writing style and how you do that and sort of your creative process because you're also a photographer. You probably mm-hmm. dabble in a lot of other things as well. Yeah. You're a dabbler. Mm-hmm. I, I know that just from looking at you. Fun. but let's talk about so it's interesting to me what you've done with the shower gallery and just to take a step back i guess what the the question i have for you as far as that goes and we'll talk a little bit about what the shower gallery is is you know i i grew up in daytona beach 
Uh, my family's business was gift shops. So they own these properties. And I never really felt like I wanted to be part of that because I couldn't envision myself working in a gift shop mm-hmm. my entire life. And so I ended up moving out here. But what was interesting about it is I could never think of those buildings and those spaces as anything other than gift shops. Mm. So to me, that was all I had in my head. Now, since then, one of them was turned into an ABC liquor store. One of them was turned into a cigar shop. It's Daytona Beach. So you're oh, yeah. you, one of them is still a gift shop. But, mm. you know, having gone into different spaces where I've seen people transform very uh, eclectic spaces or very dry spaces into different things, it might be a maker space. Uh, and in your case, it was a, an art gallery. Mm. Um, what, what was the process for walking into, and I'll let you tell the story about what the space was, and going, hey, it would be cool if this was an art gallery? So basically what it was before I got my hands on it was the, it's an overall venue of Kaleidoscope, and they had the like, warehouse art gallery type thing. What it was before all the art came into there was a old Florida biker gangs hangout, stripper poles included. Literally, there are holes in the floor. You can see all this fun stuff. So that's where they hung out, kind of came in. Um, the shower was a shower that they put in themselves. It is a freestanding shower upstairs with no rhyme or reason to why it is there. It was basically meant for um, their patrons to go into, and if need be. So when the current owners got it, they decided to make an art gallery. The downstairs. The downstairs area. half, yeah. yeah. And they had some upstairs too, but they always had the shower, and they never really had an idea what to do with the space. So was that mainly like storage and stuff up there? It, they have, like, if you go, like, there's across the walk, there is some art on that wall too. Yeah. But like the whole shower area itself, because it's, a, because it's so... Um, barbarically put up. There's really no way to do anything with that space appropriately besides what it was intended for because it just makes no sense. Um, but with what it was, they had wanted to do something with the space because it just sat there very empty and they had no idea what to do with it. They offered it to someone else beforehand. They never turned it into anything. I came in, was doing some art shows for them, and I heard them talking about it. It's like, we should do a show too here if you guys want to do it of combining art and poetry. Like, oh, that's a really cool idea. And so a couple weeks went by and they talked about possibly reopening that space or something else. And I heard this and I'm like, you know, can I borrow the space? Because I know you're offering somebody else. They haven't done anything with it in however long. I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. That's really cool. It'd be kind of cool to have someone use that space and no one else touches. So I'm like, that would be perfect to do art in. And like, I could actually make it my own and then take the, my idea of combining the whole art aspect with the poetry and put it into one. So that's what I thought was like, it would be really different to have that. And especially, let's make it even more weird. Let's put people in there and have them read poetry inside of in a tiny- In the shower. In the shower. Yeah. On a wooden chair, just in the middle of a freestanding shower decorated with Christmas lights and a curtain, not a shower curtain, but an actual window curtain. Yeah, you've cleaned it. I Oh, for sure. That was the <laughs> first thing I did. And let me tell you, I come to find out after I cleaned it that it hadn't been cleaned. So I went in there without knowing and cleaned a nice space up with black water after the fact. Yep. And then I immediately went home and took another shower in my clean shower. <laughs> Which then you cleaned and then, and then took another shower. Oh, yes. Yeah. No, I understand. It was like, mm. You had to disinfect. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, if we had one of those sprays, we would have sprayed you down too. Yeah, probably. I, I probably would say that. Well, I like that idea that you're you you saw something, you saw the potential of the space. Mm-hmm. Right now, did you see that the first time around? Was it something or were you already looking for space? Was this just like happy coincidence? How did this like when you when you first saw the space, what happened? When I first saw space, I'm a very obscure person. I like, with my photography, I like different things that most people wouldn't look at. So I look for things that aren't normal or I try to put a spin on things that most people wouldn't look, put a spin on. So I saw the shower. It's like, this is an interesting space. I won't take photos of it. So that's what I did first is I took photos of that space, which I would throw random objects in there, throw a chair in there first, then I'd throw a mic stand in there, then i throw a speaker in there. I was like, let's just take a weird series of photos and just do the whole series. And then eventually, like I said, they approached me about using the space. So I did. I'm like, oh, I can actually use this as a platform to keep going. And so it's like, what I'm going to do is actually make something that had a negative positive connotation to it and make it a positive positive area. Okay. So you're, you're reclaiming the space. Right. Yeah. So it's almost like a brownstone kind mm. of uh, situation. Right. Brownstone? Mm. Yeah, probably. Anyway, you saw the space. You're doing these events now mm. uh, once a month? Once a month, yeah. It's yeah. They're typically done on the last Saturday of every month. So this was your original vision. You wanted to do this type of event. I, and well, so you connected this space with it. I had actually never had the idea of curating art shows. I kind of just fell into it. and I was, But I always loved the idea of, of doing something different. I always loved the idea of writing because writing before I got into my kind of fo- like photography was actually my very first thing. I started with writing first, and that was my first love, and I always did it. And then having the opportunity to move on in my life to doing like photography and actually putting myself in art shows was really cool too. But I wanted to kind of get back and combine both. So having this opportunity to do both and then thus get back into writing was really awesome. So I was really excited to put it all together and then kind of involve myself in the target alone as a curator to bring people together and alone kind of to spark a new vigor in my life and find something to do. So new, new excitement. And what's nice about it is, or at least my perception of it is, is that having these deadlines saying you're going to do this once a month, it you can't like stop to perfect whatever it is that you're writing or photographing or doing. You have you have a deadline, mm-hmm. right? So did that help in terms of making sure that you were getting stuff done? Oh yeah, it was really cool because, like I said, that it made me more committed and not saying, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. It basically gave me something to look forward to and not let myself down. So I wanted to be the best I could. So I basically, with that, like I said, with that deadline, it made me do it and produce some really good stuff. Another potential benefit, and maybe you don't see it this way, is that you're, you have to interact with a lot of new people. Yes. So that's how I met you is yeah. that um, our mutual friend, Brian Demeter, mm. uh, who was on the show before, introduced us or sent me the call to uh, call to artists, I think, for the second one you were doing. It's the very first one. Oh, it was the first yeah. one. Wow, I got in so there. You're in the, yeah, you're the inaugural Right one. at the beginning. Uh-huh. And I wanted to get out of my comfort zone a little bit. I hadn't written anything like poetry in years and years. Right. And so, uh, yeah, so I said, sure, why not? So we got to meet each other. So was that one of the fringe benefits or was that one of the things you were thinking would be a definite benefit of doing this is meeting a bunch of new people. Honestly, I knew it was a, a thing I had to handle, which I was dead terrified of. Because with me being so young, in my aspect, and having to meet artists which have been at their craft for many, many a years, and me just kind of getting into it, and then having to kind of establish myself enough to handle these artists, yeah, 
was terrifying. It can be a little intimidating. Very intimidating because they're like, oh yeah, I've done this, this, and this. I'm like, ha, this is my first gallery. I'm trying to make you look good and be happy. But as it kind of came down the line and kind of talking to people, I found out it was very receptive and they weren't very, um, they didn't really shun it, shun the idea. So it, just because of your lack or perceived lack of experience. Yeah. And they, they didn't, they didn't question it. They're like, oh, okay, this is really cool. I like this idea. They were more looking at the idea of the show instead of the person who was running it, which is really cool to see. Do you think that's just in general because artists tend to be, you have this idea or I have this idea in my head of the stereotypical artist is going to be competitive and not want to necessarily collaborate with other people and not help them and things of that nature. But Orlando seems to have, especially on the creative side, uh, a very collaborative, like a rising tide lifts all boats mm -hmm. sort of attitude where we'll help each other out a bit or we'll support each other. Did you feel like it was that part of it? Or did you feel like that was really where it was coming from as people genuinely wanting to help you? Because that also helped them as well. I think in the beginning it was, um, I recently got into the Orlando area, so I have artists from there now. It was kind of the Longwood community. Definitely the artists who did art shows like the Hourglass Brewery or did a kaleidoscope, they were there. So they got more exposure to it first. I was there all the time trying to put my art in and also set up for the show. So they heard about it there. When it then branched out to Orlando, I thought it was kind of cool for the fact that I did have people were like, this is a great idea. I want to kind of put myself into this. So I've actually acquired artists from a greater um, Longwood area. Mm -hmm. I've also, like I said, there's both sides to everything. I've had some artists that are like, eh, this is a thing that's outside my comfort zone. I kind of say to myself and do my own thing. But overall, I've had a very positive, receptive, they want to build this thing up. And they're like, this is going to be a really big deal. I'm glad you're doing this. This is going to go somewhere. Very nice. That's nice to have that, that kind of support. And so you've had some people come out probably more than once and uh, do different shows. Oh, yeah. And the next one is coming up on Saturday. It's Saturday, right? Do you still have time for people to uh, sign up for it in terms of poets and artists? The artist has already been submitted. Um, that's already up on the Shower Gallery's page on Facebook. I'm actually still looking for poets. I myself have two pieces I'm writing for again. I have two, maybe one other poet who might be kind of on the fence about it because it's their first time coming out. Mm -hmm. But I'm still very much looking for poets. So if anyone's interested, look up the Shower Gallery page, hit me up. I'll be glad to look at your stuff and do oh, stuff. it's out there. I know you're listening. We're big in the poet mm -hmm. demographic. In the poem demographic? Poetry demographic? Poetry. No, no, no. We're poet. Poet. Yeah. Yeah. Poems don't listen to this show because they're poems. But they could. Yeah. It, no, it's definitely <laughs> a completely different scenario. Well, that's good. So what are you looking for when you're talking to people? Is it people who are, I, I guess when I see call to artists stuff online, I'm often thinking that, oh, they're looking for somebody established or, oh, they're looking for somebody with maybe who's already been in a show or something along those lines. How are you trying to interact with people or who's, who are the people that you're looking for? I am actually very big on people who are nervous to spend any kind of work. I want to bring people who are kind of shy out of the darkness into light, actually put their works into light. Because my last show, I had someone who had never really done a show and they messaged me and they're like, I'm really nervous about this because I've never put my work out, but I want to do this to kind of try something new. I'm, I don't judge. This thing isn't jury. It's not professional writing. It's just all about combining visual art with written art and having a good time expressing it and coming together as artists overall. So no level of experience necessary. 
And for the most part, would you say it's, um, for lack of a better term, family friendly? It, um, yeah, the family friendly, it's a family friendly atmosphere. We have some poet, uh, some of the pieces that actually provoke maybe darker thematic ideas, mm -hmm. but overall it's not a hostile environment. It's very positive, very open. We welcome everybody. And that's the best thing I like to have about this. And that's what's made it so cool to have this show. And I will say that I brought my uh, daughter, my 11-year-old daughter, and her friend when I did it. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was great. They loved it. They loved looking at the art. Uh, they loved listening to me prattle on. I'm sure they did. Of right. course they did. Mm -hmm. uh, but, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Good. All right. Well, let's leave it at that. And so the best way to get in touch and to learn more about the Shower Gallery is on Facebook. Right. So that's typically where you're going to put up all the events, the calls to artists, those sorts of things. Yes, sir. Like I said, I have a call to artists, which has already been finished for the uh, Shower Gallery for this weekend. The call to poets, which has been modified now, that is the current thing that's going on. I have the deadline till Thursday. The absolute latest deadline I accept poems because I still have to print things out and make, everything, make sure everything's ready is on Friday by at least five or between 5 p.m. and 10 p.m. Because that also be said would look nice. But I just like that idea. And I am still looking for people to have the ability to come out, put something that I normally wouldn't do, and have a great time with it. Perfect. All right. Well, we'll see what we can do. Now that you've been on, you know, my show, expect the poets to come out of the woodworks. Awesome. Because that's where I assume poets live. Right. In the woodworks. Mm -hmm. Let's listen to a song. Uh, ben Harper with Glory and Consequence on WPRK Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to a certain degree. I, my name is Nick. I don't know that I ever introduced myself. And I'm here with Will Burley of the Shower Gallery. Thanks, Will. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Fast and Loose. Many, many reputable studies tell us that the worst part of traveling is anxiety. Specifically, the worry of how you're going to look once you get there. Traipsing around like a tourist? No, thank you. Drop your dread with Fast and Loose, the only clothing trading service we could find in a quick Google search. Simply pack your bag, leave it at the airport in one of our lockers, and pick up your rental luggage at your destination. Just like the bag you left behind, this one is also packed by a local, so you know you're going to look authentic. Are they the same size? Maybe. Do they have everything you might need? Possibly. Are you worried about fitting in? Well, we sure hope not. Fast and loose. Reserve your next trip at toacertaindegree.com. The Donnas on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to A Certain Degree. That was Fall Behind Me. Before the break, we heard a little bit of Quincy Jones with The Midnight Sun Will Never Set. Not sure what he means by that. And starting the set off was Ben Harper with Glory and Consequence. Good morning. You're listening to A Certain Degree. My name is Nick, because I always forget to introduce myself. I have a very special guest this week. Will Burley is here. Hello. Hello. Artist, photographer, writer, and shopkeep, uh, artistic director sure. at the Shower Gallery. Yeah, sounds about right. Okay. I don't know. I don't know what your title is. <laughs> so I'm going to make one up for you. The bringer of arts. B-Y-O-A. Yep. <laughs> I'm not sure that's a good one. Well, since we're talking about titles and stuff, it seems like the appropriate time to uh, really talk about uh, some terrible, terrible ideas that I've had. And so this is Bad Business Ideas. So let's listen to the song. Bad Business Ideas. It's time to pick just one. It's gonna be totally legal. We hope it won't hurt anyone. So come on, have some fun. 
Yes, bad business ideas. You know how you initially think some things shouldn't go together like shrimp and grits, but it turns out to be a great combination of flavor and textures? Mm -hmm. This is the opposite of that. Oh, good, good, good. Good. Uh, So, Will, before we get to your terrible, terrible business ideas, let me tell you a little bit about one that I'm still working on. It's called Card and Fast. You can follow us on Instagram at Card and Fast. And the idea is that emotions take up a lot of your time. And so conveying those emotions even more so. So why not let me do that for you? But not in a hallmark kind of way, because as we all know, hallmark doesn't always convey. It is very short, right? Like it's a little bit and then there's something on the cover and, you know, it's not always accurate. What I do is I fill out a card. Like I put in a whole idea of an emotion and a feeling and a theme and everything else. So I typewrite that card for you. And what you would do is then sign it and send it. I'll put a stamp on it, the whole nine yards. All you have to do is basically address it. And so I'm not sure some people really are for it. Some people have actually suggested recently. So what I was thinking of doing is here's three cards a month or a quarter uh, for maybe five bucks. And so you can connect with people in a different way. Because normally right now, well, how do we connect? Via text, via Facebook, mm-hmm. those sorts of things. So you're, you can reconnect with people. Uh, you can have basically genuine emotions without having to have genuine emotions, which Solid. I would love, <laughs> frankly, because uh, I don't have time for any kind of emotions, much less genuine ones. And, you know, it's not trackable by the Facebook algorithm. Mm. And so that's what I also liked about it is that, you know, as far as I know, Google isn't monitoring and making searchable our mail. I could be wrong about that. But that was the idea behind Card and Fast. Uh, Since then, some people have suggested different things. One person uh, who was feeling very lonely at around 2 a.m. messaged me about, hey, you know, I like this idea, but what I would really like is if you just wrote me mail. So I think this was just a lonely person. But so what I thought was, so let's say you sign up for the uh, the service, is I'll send you a letter, but then I'll also include a card that you could send to somebody else. Hmm. But the letter would be to you. So you get this little package in the mail and you get this little exciting uh, thing that happens. I'm not sure it's that exciting. But what do you think about that in general? What do you think about that as a writer? What do you think about that as a human person? Which I'm assuming you are. I mean, unless you find my secret. Uh, <laughs> as a writer, I think it's really interesting because it is kind of cool to tap into other aspects of things. But also as a human, I'm like, huh, that kind of devoids us what makes us human. Of What's like, that? The emotion aspect. That's what separates us from technology and being actual people. So not to experience those. I don't know. It's a little awkward for me because I'm a very emotional person. Do I like, you write letters, though? I do, actually, when I have the opportunity. Well, you're not in my demographic at all then. No, (laughs) probably not. People who write their own letters are not going to want this service. Right. I mean, there's sometimes where I'm like, oh, no, I have an event coming up. I have forgotten to do this. So it's like having one on hand might actually be worthwhile. So I might have have a couple just on standby. There you go. Yeah, I can do it, yeah. But um, no, I I generally like to write what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling, because it feels more sincere. It forces me to feel something and kind of uh, strengthen that bond between me and that person, whether it be business related or um, non-platonic, romantic, whatever it is. 
So I think it, it raises a good point. So there's a spectrum, right? From mm-hmm. let's say uh, Hallmark, which is not very genuine and not very heartfelt. Mm. It's just like you're making the minimal effort. Right. Right. You're signing it, maybe writing something in it. But for the most part, what you're saying is I've spent four to six dollars on a card for you. Mm -hmm. And then you also at the other end of the spectrum, you have the handwritten letter that is heartfelt, that is personal, that is putting you out there and making you vulnerable in such a way that it, if ever gets out, uh, you will just be crestfallen and possibly incredibly embarrassed. Mm-hmm. So I think where card and fast falls is right in the middle. Right. So there's still an emotion. There's still a connection with the person because usually the themes are going to be something around, hey, let's, I was thinking about you in this vein. Let's do something. Mm-hmm. It's still about connecting. But it's it's more than Hallmark, but less than that embarrassing thing. Right. So that's where I am with it. Also, it's generally funny enough that you're going to want to Instagram it. <laughs> so that also helps with, you know, getting more followers and stuff, which I think is important. Right. Because you're not going to Instagram a Hallmark card. And if you Instagram that, that really heartfelt letter, oh, boy. Yeah, yeah that's trouble. Well, see, being in the public eye like I am now, Basically, oh. everything's out there. So I have nothing to lose at this point. Being a celebrity like you are. Of course. Okay. Will Burley, of course. <laughs> celebrity art gallery uh, owner? Oh, just user of space. User of space. Well, so let's get back to the bad business ideas then, because I feel like with your expertise, you're really going to help me be able to take one of these to the next level. And since you're on the show, I don't know if you read the fine print of the contract, which was, of course, the email that I sent where I put the copy in white so you couldn't read it. Uh, But basically, whichever one of these you pick, you have to run with. I know you have plenty of time to do this. Always. Uh, You have plenty of money, too, because obviously you got all that sweet, sweet art gallery cash coming in. Of course. Flowing in. Flowing. Uh, Will, may I call you Will? Most certainly. Great. What hasn't changed in nearly 200 years? A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff, right. But according to the research I've done, taking a shower and the order in which you use hair products has not changed. Oh, okay. As far as I know, until 2014. That's when in the UK, uh, it was an article in the UK version of Glamour, Mm -hmm. it came up that, hey, what if we use conditioner first? Hmm. How crazy is that? I mean, I get it, but it also kind of makes sense at the same time. Right. So it turns out they did some studies, this idea of reverse hair washing and caught on. And here we are in 2018. And we still like if I tried to do this just from habit, I will still use soap first Mm -hmm. or shampoo. I don't use soap. Well, I use soap, <laughs> not on my hair. Uh-huh, well, I have hair all over my body, and I use soap on... Oh, forget it. Uh-huh. Now, okay, conditioner first. Mm-hmm. This goes against hundreds of years of evolution and, you know, our, our, uh, our actions, right? So how do we fix that? How do we get people to do it in a different way? Well, of course, I, I think you're thinking the same thing I am, a smart shower head. Mm-hmm. So basically what we have is a shower head called the Rapids. 
and you program it with your phone before you get in the shower, obviously. I mean. So you program it however you want. You don't want to use shampoo. You don't want to get your hair wet that day. Then you program it not to shoot the shampoo or conditioner at you because that's what it's going to do. It's basically going to take the thinking out of showering for you so that you can. And here's the thing that I love about this. You can also be more creative in the shower because that's one of the places I'm most creative. Mm -hmm. But then I get distracted. Did I use the conditioner yet? Did I use the shampoo? Do I use soap? As I questioned earlier, apparently, Mm -hmm. of whether or not I do that. So you don't have to think about it anymore. You go bleep, bloop, blop which is the sounds it'll make. Of course. Because I want to make sounds (laughs) because obviously we're also on the radio, so we need sounds to come out. Mm -hmm. But the idea is that just do that. Conditioner comes out first. You put it in, then rinse it off. It's going to tell you what to do potentially, or maybe there's certain uh, sounds that it makes to to show or to give you an idea of what to do next. Uh, You could, if you have... Somebody in your house, I have kids mm-hmm. that maybe take longer showers. Uh, you could set it up so that they can only be in there for a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. And if they haven't rinsed off yet, too bad. So that's, you know, what you always say to somebody who hasn't rinsed off yet. Mm-hmm. Too bad. I mean, you should hear the time. So that's the rapids. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that so far? Are you still trying to take into, like, your heart, the conditioner first thing? No, it, I mean... It just, I don't know. Because, like, the whole, the whole concept of I'm thinking of, like, not using water to make things wet and then put the shampoo and conditioner in there. Like, what if you forget? What if you forget to channel? Like, what if you wake up and you're like, ah, uh, like, you're exhausted. You can't think what to do and you program it wrong. That's my idea. Oh, so you're just, like, bleary-eyed. You have to get to the beach, mm-hmm. obviously. obviously. So you're going to take a quick shower and... You're afraid that it's not gonna. You're not gonna program it right. Cause see, my luck with any phone that's a touchscreen, my fingers don't want to work for anything. So it's uh, always wrong. Okay. So what if we just do um, same again? So just whatever your last shower was. But what if you don't want the same again though? You get to reprogram it again, think it out. What if you like? Uh, so what you could do is you could have like various like options have your presets. Oh, there you line go. Up. So they, that works. Yeah. Okay. So like like beach day, work day. Date night, stuff like that. Have it all set out. So you've basically, when we come in and install it, because I'm assuming we're going to have to install it, that this is not something you install yourself. We could actually do when somebody, when our professional installer is in the shower or showers putting this in, we can also have one of our consultants working with you and making sure all your presets are set up correctly. That would work. Okay. All right. Look, this is why we're here. This is you're a successful businessman. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I wanted to get your your take on this. Awesome. All right. Will, that's only idea one. Oh, good. So I know you're getting excited about the rapids, but there's still another idea. Uh, Let me me hit you with a chilling stat, Will. 50% of patients in the developed world don't take their medicine as prescribed, costing the U.S. healthcare system over $100 billion annually. And the statistics are even worse in the developing world. So basically, you're you're on a thing of antibiotics, mm-hmm. right? And so you take the first two, then you forget to take the rest. Then the strain of virus becomes uh, immune to antibiotics or resistant to antibiotics. It goes out there, and basically you're patient zero for a zombie outbreak. So thanks a lot, Will. I mean, at least I'm known for something. Uh, One company is doing something about that. They're actually taking a pill that expands 
when it's inside you and then releases the medicine over the course of however long you need. So it actually turns into like the starfish thing in your belly. So it can't be fully Mm. digested and then just slowly puts it out. It's eventually fully digestible. Your face that you're making right now tells me you don't like this idea. (laughs) That sounds terrifying. (laughs) So they've already solved it though. So there's really no room for us to come in with a bad business idea, but it got me thinking about business meetings Mm -hmm. and how I hate them and how they often go too long. Mm -hmm. So what I thought about, you know, some sort of antibiotic, some sort of medicine, business meetings. How do we solve, how do we combine these two things and solve business meetings? And I think you're thinking what I'm thinking, a diuretic to make people go pee so that they have to leave the meeting early. I actually was on the same page with that. You were so 100%. Oh, so there with that, yeah. Yep. Uh, Okay, so that's what we would do. That's our second company. I'm going to tell you some names of uh, the potential company here. But since we're on the same page, I, I am not sure we even need to, I need, even need to go through the reasons right. why we need to do this. Oh, no. Right? So, okay. So here are some of the potential names for this new business. So what we would do is sell you as the meeting goer mm-hmm. this substance. You'd have to get it to people beforehand. Maybe you buy donuts and you can sprinkle it on. It tastes like powdered sugar. Right. Uh, or you're just serving coffee at your meeting. And so uh, you're making decisions quickly, right? Like you're talking to somebody, you're trying to sell them something. They really have to go to the bathroom so you can pressure them before they go to the bathroom to buy what you're selling. Mm -hmm. That sort of thing. Although that sounds a little bit um, uh, underhanded when now that I say it out loud. So let's go to the names. Speedy Meeting. Whiz for Biz. You're in good hands. Like a racehorse. Or, and I think this is my favorite, we're number one. <laughs> so which do you think would be the best name for this new organization? What was the second one again? Uh, Wiz for Biz. <laughs> I kind of like that one. Okay. Or Biz Wiz. That would, so it yeah, makes you sound like yeah. a, a business wizard. Yeah. When, That's a good yeah, one. Maybe you're something else. Okay. So you have a choice now. Will Burley, successful gallery uh, raconteur. For lack of a better term, that is actually now what I'm going to call you. Sounds good. Gallery raconteur. Uh, we have the Rapids. That is the smart, programmable, conditioner-first showerhead. Or BizWiz, which is a diuretic that you can use in your business meetings to help them go a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. And potentially exactly the way you want them to. Hmm. Which do you think is the one that you're going to want to take to market? You're going to want to invest all your time, money, energy, friends' time, because you might need some help. Mm-hmm. So let's see. Am I at it for personal gain or monetary gain? <laughs> that's what we're looking at here. Uh, that's an excellent question. <laughs> no one has ever asked that on this segment of the show, so I'm flummoxed Awesome. on some level. Why is there a difference? Because see, monetarily, I would do the rapids because that's a good idea and legitimately could make money in the long run. Okay. But personal gain to get where I need to go and possibly like maybe get up in status would probably be the bizwiz because people tend to like have the pressure. They want to act quickly without thinking. So I could get what I wanted. Gotcha. Gotcha. But people would also buy it 
So you would also make money off of it as well. So this is not just for you. This is not just for your use. Hmm. Uh, are you concerned about other people using it on you? No, not so much. Okay. It, nah, because I could, because I would develop. I the like antidote? I would develop the antidote for it. I have it on me at all times. Good idea. So you could also sell the antidote as well. <laughs> right. Because you never know who's going to be poisoning you. So every meeting you go into, you're going to have to take a little five-hour energy shot oh, of yeah. the antidote mm-hmm. for uh, BizWiz. Hmm. I think, honestly, BizWiz to me sounds so much more appealing because <laughs> it's just a great thing. Because, I mean, yeah, people would buy it, but it also it, it has the monetary benefit, but it also has like a bonus to it. Like some perks to this. Uh, yeah, that is one way of looking at it. Yes, so it like does a, have some perks. Yeah. Okay. BizWiz it is, which is obviously going to be our tagline now uh-huh. because I just made that up on the spot and it sounds awesome. Well, thank you, Will, for that. Let's listen to a song or two. Let's start it out with uh, Betty Servert. It, I don't know how to say her name, but we're going to say it that way. Betty, if you're listening, uh, I apologize. Please call in and let us know how to pronounce your name. Uh, that'll be Coke Howard and seems appropriate for the bad business idea you just picked. And then we might hear uh, Jamie Liddell with a little bit more, which is also, these are probably the theme songs for BizWiz, uh, which works out really well. We picked well. Yeah. So we'll be back uh, just in a second. You're listening to a certain degree on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. This episode is brought to you by Besides Yourself, the CIA, the NSA, your internet service provider, hackers, fishers, credit card skimmers, everywhere you turn, someone is trying to steal your identity, your financial information, and they are spying on you. You probably shouldn't go outside at all. Can Beside Yourself keep your identity safe? No chance. So why don't we give you someone else's identity? Fight fire with fire. In the basic version of our service, we give you an identity from another one of our customers. We switch identities every 60 days so no one really knows who you are. Need a security upgrade in your communications? Guess what? You're sending letters now. We reteach you how to write in cursive so no computer can scan your writing automatically. Order now and our technicians will install a phone booth near your home. If it was secure enough for the Sopranos, it's secure enough for you. Besides yourself, untraceable, untrackable, probably legal, open an account at toacertaindegree.com. Jamie Liddell on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to a certain degree. That was a little bit more. I don't know that that's how he intended it to be pronounced, but we'll never know. Jamie, haven't called in yet. Let me know. Betty Servert before that with Coke Howard. And I am here with my guest. I was going to try to make some sort of co-something joke, but that didn't really work out because obviously I don't want to call you a coward because that is something that I don't think you are. Good morning. My name is Nick. I'm here with Will Burley, who is definitely not a coward, who goes out there and puts himself out there quite often, even though he's uncomfortable with it sometimes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A lot of the times. So when an opportunity comes up that you know, something new or something not, do you measure how uncomfortable you feel like it's going to make you? And does that make you want to do it more? Um, sometimes, sometimes I'm like, if I don't do this, it's, I think how uncomfortable it will be, but then I kind of rationalize, like, if I don't do this, I'm going to kick myself later. And then I'm going to be more upset at myself, which is worse than feeling cowardly and embarrassed about the actual opportunity of doing something. Nice. 
So we've talked a little bit about the shower gallery. If you missed any of the show, please feel free to listen to it on toacertaindegree.com. It'll be up later this week, and I'll have some pieces and parts out there since you do have an event coming up this week, and I'll try to get something out this week. But let me ask you, let's take it back a step to coming. I always like to ask people about coming out of high school. Mm. What were your plans? Did you think that, and did you know that, like, in your head, I'm going to college. I've got to get this done. I've got to get it done as quickly as possible. Uh, and then what ended up happening? So you got out of high school here in Florida? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then what happened? So I got out of high school and then immediately went to college. Like the, okay. that following fall semester when it's like, okay, I got to get this done. Um, so that was your plan. So you were SATing oh yeah. and applying and mm -hmm. doing all of those things. Right. Where'd you end up going? I went to Seminole State for my first two years, just get my AA because I had all the fun stuff, general ed's done. Okay. So then it's like, okay, that's done. And then was I, that a, was that a conscious decision based on the cost or was that just something that you had always kind of mapped out? Like I'd rather do it this way. No, that actually came down to cost. And so many people told me that it would actually be more beneficial to just go to a closer college that costs less to get that done. Just the AA because it's easier to do that because your actual bigger colleges are where it's at, where you want to do your major work. Okay. So that's what I did. Um, after that, I got my AA, then I went to, actually went to UF for a couple of years. Gotcha. So that was fun. So very competitive to get into UF, yeah. uh, but as a transfer student, less so. Actually, it's more so. Really? Really, yeah. I looked at the acceptance rate for UF for new time freshmen, I think it was like, I think 20% or something like that, or somewhere in that number. And then for transfers, it's like 3%. Wow. No, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Okay. So that was fun. So I got to go there for a little bit and go to some classes. So you went to some classes. Yeah. Uh, did you graduate from there? I was close. I, with all my classes I took, I actually went into excess hours because I tried to do too much. I ended up trying to double major, which was fun. I tried to major in psychology and music. Okay. And now I'm actually on my way, about to be done at UCF right now. Oh, great. So yeah. So after some time. Mm -hmm. So what? You, so you came back. What did you do in the meantime? What were you thinking about? Oh, no. I actually went straight here. Oh, like, you I, did? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> came home. Got myself reestablished. I'm like, hey, because I've been gone, I've been here for two years. So I was in Gainesville, kind of living on my own for two years. Came back home for summer, and that's all I did. Came back home. I was like, hey, I need to finish this degree as fast as possible because I know what I want to do. I'm going to get this out of the way. And then progressively, as I got back, that's when I kind of started making side career options with the whole photography thing and now the shower gallery. And that kind of came in, which I thought was really cool. So when did you decide, or when did you feel like you knew what you wanted to do? So you're up in Florida, Seminole State, your AA is mm -hmm. all the general requirements. You can take some specific music classes if you're interested in that or psychology classes right. if you're interested in that. Uh, but for the most part, like you said, it's your gen eds. Mm. So you went up there, you were doing music and uh, psychology. Yeah. But did that ever feel like either one of those was what you wanted to do? Oh, yeah. That's why I did what I was doing because okay. ultimately what I wanted to do was I want to be a music therapist. Uh, for special needs kids, because that's such an underdeveloped field. Most people use it for people like in hospitals with Parkinson's, stuff like that, because music is processed in one way in the brain. And so I volunteer with a special needs organization called Buddy Ball. That's in Central Florida. Down in Altamont, we have a field. We've been doing it for, I believe, seven years now. And I've been a part of that since the second season they did. I went from being a volunteer to a manager of one of the teams to now I'm being on the very board as well to help out. And I've loved every experience I've had with that. So I wanted to find a way to become more involved. And especially these teachers, which are phenomenal, I wanted to also be able to incorporate music into that somehow. And then one of the parents told me, they're like, have you tried music therapy? I'm like, what's that? 
they're like, it's basically music rehabilitation, but you can work with special needs kids and do the same thing. I'm like, that's really cool. So that's what I wanted to go into. So that's what I'm doing now. Gotcha. So from a music perspective, how, how do the kids interact with it? How do you, what is music therapy in terms of like what you're trying to accomplish? The best example of what I can relate it to is say you have a child who has autism, right? You mm-hmm. can have the um, extreme cases where they're antisocial, nonverbal, stuff like that. With music, the, since the brain processes it in a certain way, you can actually develop a speech through that. You can teach them a song, they can learn the song, and through that song with the melody, the rhythm, and all the rep- repetition, they can end up learning speech and be able to, com- be able to communicate. So would you need to go and get a master's after that? Yeah, that's what I'm going to have to do. Right yeah. now I'm going my bachelor's and then I'm going to end up getting my master's in that because there's not many colleges. There's only two colleges in Florida that offer the course for music therapy whatsoever, and that's um, Florida State and Miami. Got For our master's program. Right. Got it. And so that's where I want to go. And I'm, my goal is to eventually go to Florida State because that's kind of ground zero for them. They started it in Florida. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've heard the yeah I've heard about it the, the Florida State program. For somebody to do this, you have to have a pretty good understanding of music, right? So you play, you sing. Yeah, I'm a with vocalist. The, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is something that you're uh, passionate about because of your background in musical theater and just your passion for music in general. And like I said, the social needs communities. I love helping the kids. And to me, it's not really, people ask me like, how do you have the patience to do it? To me, it's everyday work. It's great. I don't look at it as a chore. I don't look at it as being stressful. It's something I actively seek out to do. When we don't have the seasons, I'm always bored. I'm like, I want to go back out and help out. So like having as a career, I can constantly do it. When did you have a connection with music that was, you felt like was beyond just, I'm just listening to something in the background? When did you find that? And I think that that's an interesting question because I think that kind of speaks to what you want to do as well. Because I think you're trying to have, you're trying to bring that same experience to kids who may not have had that before. Right. For me, music has always been a part of my life from like a very young age to now. I think music became more to me around fifth grade is when I moved here from Mississippi. Uh, We never had recorder lessons up there when I was in school. We came back here and I moved I went to uh, Sable Point Elementary. They had a phenomenal music teacher called, her name was Miss Shea. I can't remember her first name, unfortunately. She was great. Loved everything about it. She made music fun. Um, I picked up the recorder my first year there. Ended up becoming really good at it, surprisingly, to the point where I got to go to an, um, like a music event or like, and show off on a concert. It was really, really fun. I did talent shows at that age with my recorder, like play, anywhere from playing Star Wars to Hedwig's thing from Harry Potter. And just stuff like that was really fun. And to me, it was much more, it spoke to me on such great levels. And then I get to middle school, which I met another great course teacher called Miss Campbell. I went through that. I did extra stuff. I did this thing called Allstate where I got to go to Tampa and sing this humongous choir and do stuff like that. And to me, it was just an overall fun time. And then progressively getting through high school and then doing the volunteer service with special needs kids, I was like, this is another passion I do. So I'm going to take the first passion I really love with mm-hmm. the second one and just kind of make it unanimous and a really awesome experience. What about, so that is a very active involvement with music. What about a more passive one? What were you listening to or what's a song that you heard or a band that you're like, I, they, are, they are singing or they are performing how I feel? That I think would probably have been my eighth grade year is when I heard the band Florence and Machine. Mm-hmm. To me, it's a very eclectic sound. I love the style of music. Her voice is very well done. 
And to me, her lyrics were very deep, very um, metaphorical. And I connected very heavily with that. To me, it was expressing a side that I was afraid to express and also I couldn't put into words sometimes. Yeah. To me, it was that kind of music that was a mild hippie vibe, but to where you could just put it on, listen to it, dance, and not even care and just lose yourself in whatever's going on. Hmm. And so to me, it spoke on a very spiritual level, even so much, much more now to the point where I've wanted to write songs strictly about how I feel about it, write a series of poems about it, like listen to the albums back through and just write every song as a poem because it spoke to me on such a great level that I wanted to kind of build it more. When you're li- So that's an interesting kind of component to all this is when you're being creative, whether that's photography or writing, um, are you listening to music? So that's specifically inspired by, mm. right? Like you're trying to write something that's inspired by. Uh, Florence the Machine. What about when you're just trying to be creative? Just trying to be creative. I have music playing at any point in time. I yeah. listen to various things. It can go from like ACDC to maybe Halsey nowadays, Florence Machine, Mumford and Sons. I will even go to um, like rap. I'll go NF, I'll have Eminem, maybe even Tupac in the background listening to that too. It literally is any kind of music is on at any given point in my life. Is it helpful like it takes up part of your brain so another part of your brain is more effective or like what does it do for you to have that music on in the background it is just so calming and to me when it's on the outside world is kind of just blurred and it's just me being me and enjoying my little bubble and being myself that I usually can't show so being happy in that moment to myself is really great so I love it like if sometimes people watch me on my motorcycle and I will do it. I will mildly dance on my motorcycle too. So I'll like make gestures and move around and just really get into it. And it's really freeing because someone on my size being a six, four guy who's like athletically built looks awkward. If you see him out just dancing in the middle of a room. Well, dancing on a motorcycle makes me feel <laughs> not great as well. Like I'd rather see you dancing in the middle of the room than dancing on a motorcycle. I keep it safe. My hands are on the handlebars. Unless it's at a circus, in which case, yeah. totally for it. And then you go into one of those, the, the metal ball, and you the spin around. <laughs> yeah, God, I yeah. love that. I love that. We're not talking about that, though. All right, well, thanks for that. Why don't we play some music, All right. and we'll come back in a minute. I, I should note that this has just flown by, Yeah. by the way. We're almost done. Gosh. Yeah. It is, uh, I'm, a, I'm a joy to talk to. I don't know how else to put it. Why don't we listen to Dawes with, uh, with one of us on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. I've been speaking to Will Burley. My name is Nick. You're listening to A Certain Degree. This episode is brought to you by Ice Pants. Are your trousers ready for a rise in temperature? A literal rise in the temperature of the earth, not the fun kind. It will be once you get a pair of Ice Pants. Similar to a regular pair of slacks, ice pants are lined with a space-age polymer that stays cold all day. Throw it in the freezer each night, ready to go in the morning. They come in a variety of styles, and so long as you don't iron them, you or your town won't be exposed to deadly radiation. Also, don't get them wet, or feed them after midnight. Ice pants. Climate change? More like climate chic. Order at toacertaindegree.com. Dawes on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. That was one of us. Good morning. My name is Nick. You're listening to A Certain Degree on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. 
My special guest this morning has been Will Burley. Hello. Thank you so much for doing this. You will continue to be Will Burley after this. Okay. So, yes. Or, or in some cases, Wilbur Lee, depending on who you are, because I've had the name variant. Oh, well, that's not cool. Oh, no, it's a blast. It's That's one of my favorites because it's exclusive to one person, and I love it because every time, even when I took tests, they crossed out my name and wrote Wilbur Lee. It was great, and I actually enjoyed it. So I like that, though, because then you're related to Stan Lee as well. Right. So Nice. That's not bad. So, Will, I'm going to release you back out into the world. Let me ask you about the best ways to stay in touch and to learn more about the things that you're doing. Mm -hmm. What would those be? So the things that I am doing, I actually have the upcoming Art of Poetry show, which is this Saturday. It starts from 7 to 11. We do our readings around 8. I am still looking for poets if you would like to do that. Besides that, I also have other art shows coming up. I have one, I believe, in August called The Rubber Ducky Show. Since it is a shower, I thought it would be fairly appropriate to do that. Not only that, uh, to get in touch with me, you can contact me through the Shower Gallery Facebook page. That, I also have my own photography page, which is Will Burley's Photography. If you want to also get through me on Instagram, I have it, which is at Eyes for the Unseen. And then my also is that. If you want to also look up other things I have done, there's a band called Bothering Dennis. I have done photos for them, promo shoots. You can contact me through them as well. So from a photography perspective... Uh, it's not only the shower gallery, you're also a photographer. So if somebody needs you for stuff like that, right. they can reach out to you and get photos done. Can you make me look professional? I can. Not even more professional, just professional, professional. period. Yes, I can. Okay, great. <laughs> that would be really unusual. Uh, next week we have uh, on this show, Ashley Renee will be here. She's from the Sweet Milk Company. That's a plant-based beverage company here in Central Florida. And so milk is M-Y-L-K. So there's a lot of uh, go going back and forth right now with the FDA over what is considered milk. So does it have to come from an animal in order to be called milk, even if you spell it differently? So it's a really interesting uh, conversation to be having. And plus, her stuff's really, really tasty. So... I'm hoping, uh, Ashley, if you're listening, please bring samples. <laughs> That's good. Is that subtle? That's great. That's real subtle. I mean, look, you brought so you brought samples of poems. I mean, I've got all these poems that you brought in front of me. Just samples, though. So right. it's like one verse from this one mm -hmm. and a line from another one. So I really appreciate that. You brought samples of your photos. Again, just cut out pieces. Yep. I, you know, and maybe I'm wrong here. This is actually looks more like a ransom note now that I'm looking at it a little more objectively. I mean, subtlety is a thing. Yeah. So, okay. So less samples and more uh, ransom note for getting out of here. So we're going to leave it at that. Thank you so much, Will, for being here. Thank you for having me. And we'll have the episode up online on the interwebs. You can listen to it there. And uh, yeah, that's it. Have a great week. You too. Oh, no, I was talking to the well, people. I mean, out hey, there. we're all in the same room. Everybody have a great week. How about that? Uh, all right, fine. You can have a great week too. You've been <laughs> listening to a certain degree on WPRK, Warner Park, Florida. Uh, best hours coming up with Smarketing News. So let's listen to some Father John Misty. So I'm growing old on magic on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. And that's the show. Thanks for listening to A Certain Degree. Follow us on Instagram. Just search for To A Certain Degree. And if you like that Instagram, follow Brand Knuckles as well. That's the intersection of 3D printing and small business branding. Because three dimensions are better than one. 
or two, I guess, and maybe also better than four because of the time aspect. Also check out toacertaindegree.com. That's T-O-A certaindegree.com. If you liked what you heard, let me know. I always love to hear from people and I am lonely. So very lonely. Thanks for listening.